Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is JB the Wizard. He's a coach and a consultant for high achievers who still feel like something is missing. His journey of acting, directing, and producing brought him to coaching high achievers, CEOs, and celebrities on alignment and mental clarity for the purpose of leveling up in life and business. JB, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Well said. That's spot on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share your journey with us on coming from filmmaking to becoming a coach how did that happen sure right yeah my degree is pre-medical exercise physiology i love the body and when i was in undergrad getting my degree there was a film that came to town if you like and since i was a boy about nine years older i knew i'd be on television i knew i would do something with filming and all of a sudden this is coming to town and my mom says hey it's coming you know maybe you want to go audition for it if you like then I played basketball and I ran track in school. I played football. And this is kind of more of an athletic type film. I went to audition for it. And as I was preparing for it and training for it, I mean, a little bit of a side story that I sprained my ankle so many times in life and in sports, but this was the worst one on the planet. And it was the day before this gigantic audition, you know, and it's a Hollywood film. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, why did this happen? This is always so important, you know? Some people at that point would have stopped because my foot was like a noodle. It was done. (laughs) And I remember I was saying, you know, that, look, whatever you believe in God, the universe, energy, whatever your thing is, for me, I was like, if you didn't want me to be in the film, fine, but not like this. And I made this decision like, this isn't how it's going to happen. A lot of times we ask so much for permission from wherever, but it was like, no, taking charge in this way is like, look, you didn't want me to film in it. You can get me cut. But this isn't, this is not going to keep me from going for this. Cool thing about the fact that my degree is pre-medical excess physiology. I got good education on taping things up and that sort of stuff. So I went down, taped up my ankle like crazy. And I wasn't able to walk either getting into the car. But all of a sudden, some people may say it's adrenaline. I feel like there were two angels that were like doing this to my ankle the whole time. And I ended up hundreds of people got cut. I did not. And I made it in the film. And... I got the call, like I was in biochemistry, which I did not like that class at the time. And I got this call back. I was walking with a buddy of mine, name is Wade. I haven't spoken with him for a little bit. And it said, come down on Monday for hair and makeup. And it was like, what? You can't get more Hollywood than that, hair and makeup, you know? And it was like, I did it, you know? And then I ended up meeting the director, Mike Tollins. And then it was a film called Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr., Ed Harris, Alfred Woodard, and Alfred Woodard's in C right now, all of these different things. And then from there, I went back to an agent that didn't want to be my agent at first. And then he's like, yeah, okay, I can represent you. So then I got him as an agent. And then I started to do commercials and things like that. And at that point, I didn't know anything about theater at all. Um, But I heard from film people that they would make comments about theater and theater people would make comments about film. So I said, I'm going to find out for myself. So I went auditioned for this theater play and I didn't know anything. And I ended up getting cast as the lead. And then I got cast as the lead in four of the shows. And I didn't, I never memorized lines. I didn't know anything about anything. So I was like, I have two options. Either this will be so horribly embarrassing and I'll forget everything and I will, nothing will work. Or I'm going to make this thing be remarkable. (laughs) So so like the next day, this is like years ago. Yeah. Next day I drove to Barnes and Nobles. I went to the acting section. I sat down on the floor 
And I just was going through all of the theater books and acting books and learning everything in like six hours of just boom, boom, boom. And it ended up going super duper well. I didn't drive one line at all. It just went wonderful. It was powerful. And from there, I went to another theater, another theater, another theater. And I kept going, finished my degree, moved out to, this is the whole journey, moved out to um, Oklahoma. And I knew I wanted to direct. I knew acting is good, but I knew I wanted to direct. So I found the director of Children of the Corn, which is a film from back in the day, and then the producers of the Godfather trilogy. And I went to them. I found out where they were. And they were teaching. So I knocked on the door, clop, clop, clop. And that's German. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. And I said, I want to be director. <laughs> and I want to learn from you. <laughs> and he said, okay, come to my class. And I was like, okay. So then he just let me shadow his whole class. And I met all these other students and, and film degree people. And then there was a way that I viewed film and I thought about film and acting. So I started asking questions. And after class, these students would come up to me and they said, the way you spoke, will you be in my film? Because it was like, there was a way I was thinking that was interesting to them. So then I started getting cast in all of their films. And then from there, I wrote a film with one of the, the people I met, wonderful, wonderful guy named Travis. And then that went on to go on uh, a television appearance somewhere. And then at a film festival, we won like best or nominated for best family picture, something like that it was pretty cool. And then I continued to do acting. Then I started to teach acting this whole loop, right? In, in like agencies and places like that. During this time, I was still doing exercise physiology and, and training some people. So at that point, I connected with some real real estate moguls and I, I ended up training Miss America. There's a point to this alignment thing. Whatever I was doing, I always was going to the top, whatever it might be, you know, because that was my goal. Like you with your curiosity, like, okay, great. How, what's the top here? What's the top here? Whatever it is, let's see what's going on. Same thing with, with medicine. There's a reason I, I stopped that path, which we can talk about. But anyway, I got another agent and I ended up getting in prison break on Fox. And then I ended up getting cast as a resident actor at a theater. There are tens of thousands of actors and they would only cast four. And of the four, two of them were men and two of them were women. And I was one of those two. So that was huge. And that got me my actor's equity card, which got me to work with other um, Broadway actors. And then Jensen Ackles from uh, Supernatural. And then Lou Diamond Phillips, who won the Tony for The King and I. You know, I was actually just messaging him just the other day still. So like the relationships go long. But that happened. And then I started to continue to direct and then produce some commercials. And at that point, uh, a Fortune 500 company saw some of my work somehow, and they said, I think, I think we have something that we would like for you to do. And so they messaged me, and at that time I did like a wedding or I did like something, but I had a style to how I do everything. And I was like, um, and they were like, no, we feel what you're doing. This is what we want for this corporate stuff because like it's dead basically, right? And I was like, okay, I could bring life to anything. That's, that's what I do. And then the crazy thing at that point of this story is that the number that I quoted them for how much like to charge to charge them, this person was so kind, I still talk with her. She was so remarkable, so, so helpful for my life. And at that point, it was so low. It wasn't low for normal people, but it was so low for them <laughs> <laughs> that 
that she told me, she said, you have to, you have to increase this or they're not going to look at your proposal. (laughs) What? And so I just want that message to go out to somebody who needs to hear this today that a lot of times, myself even included, that when it comes to what I do and what I've done in the past, there is a karmic balance with this. There's a reason for it. But at the same time, you want that number to be in alignment as well. Because you might be thinking, what, it's only X amount and it's cheaper than blank, but it might not be in your alignment. So that might be why you're not getting hired or work or whatever, you know. And then when you say that number that's yours, it's not really about money or numbers. It's really just about alignment again, because it's just energy just matching up. Then I doubled the number. Now, this is multiple five figures, right? So doubled the number. And then she was like, they're still not going to look at that. And I was like, what? So then I quadrupled the number and at this point my own self was like a little bit like nervous and thinking like oh my gosh you know this is so crazy and the wild thing to this story part is it was myself leveling up it was myself going through this expansion to be capable and comfortable with these numbers and this amount of of energy that if you most people are they don't go through the discomfort So then they stay where they are because it feels comfortable. But even this morning, I did something so, me and my wife, something, it's it's not stupid, but so pushing always the boundaries, you know, because that's the way to level up. And so just going through that extreme discomfort helped. And then guess what? It still wasn't quite high enough. So I had to raise it again. (laughs) So it's like, what? And at that point, they ended up choosing it, okay? And it was like crazy. And then that was like, Oh, oh, okay. And so from there, I was doing, I started to, I traveled across North America and I was making these films and things. And I was working with a, a hired Academy Award winning cinematographers that were on like Jay Leno, you know, and they were, they were my crew now. People who worked for Lucasfilm, stuff like that. So then I, and for the most part, I almost, it's not that I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't. You know, <laughs> I did it, you know, but what I do have is, is the same thing that happened when I twisted my ankle. I, I will get it done and it will be done very well. And I will be either the best at it during the learning process or after. Either way, I'm going to be I'm going to bring myself to the top. So I did. And then that went super duper well. And at some point I realized after we did that, I said, you know, as a director and as an actor, people think acting is pretending. Acting is not pretending. Acting is telling the truth. Whenever you see acting that a person who doesn't know anything about acting thinks sucks, it's what they're seeing is they're watching a lie. When uh, no, one, no one goes to the movies to uh, watch somebody lie. We all go to the movies and we all watch on the Netflix to watch an honest, actual story happening where you're like, oof, embarrassed by something that happens. You're embarrassed for the character because in that moment, the character is in that moment. So as an actor, your real job is to be completely honest, completely authentic and be completely in the moment. So as a director, my job is to help people be completely honest, be completely authentic, be completely in the moment and to feel safe with me. So one day I was driving up to Philly I love Philly. He's got a great energy there. And I said, how can I do the core of what I do without all of the noise and distractions? Like if I were to remove the camera and I were to remove the editing and I were to remove the cinematography and the lighting and the mics and all of the other stuff that go and battery charging, all of the stuff that happens when you make the film, what would I be left with? It would be left with me and another human 
and me helping them to be authentic. So then I says, huh. And, I, and at some point the herd is like Warren Buffett probably. And he says the number one skill to have is public speaking. And he said, because the number one fear is public speaking. So then I was thinking, whoa, hold on. I've got a lot of experience with public speaking. I've performed in front of thousands of people on stages and on camera and in all of these different situations. I'm quite an expert there. So if I were to help people with public speaking, the real thing that all that happens is I help them to be authentic. I'm the perfect guy for this job. So then I started to say, put that out there. Hey, I help people with public speaking and being authentic. And I help people to get over that fear so that whatever else can happen. So I started to put that out there on social media. And then people started to raise their hands. Hey, can you coach me? And I had to go through the same thing again. How much do I charge? You know, what do I do? You know, do I know what I'm talking about? How do I feel about this? And I had to find my own alignment with that to realize I'm, I'm amazing at this, <laughs> you know? And it's like, even if it looks like this is helpful to people, you're doing something different. You're typically never, ever really doing anything different. You're just, it's like people watching Tom Hanks. People will watch Tom Hanks over and over again in lots of different films. The reason is because you know Tom Hanks. You know what to expect. You know what you're getting. But it's Tom Hanks in a different scenario that you're watching. The same thing happens with our own lives. It's all us. We're just in different scenarios. And if you could remember how you leveled up here and bring that to this new scenario, then you're still the expert, but in this new area. And if you can understand that, that will help you when you deal with naysayers and people who don't understand that. People will say, JB, you don't have a, um, a personal training certificate, basically. And it was like, so I had to remember, I could have made two choices. I could have said, oh, no, you're right. I guess I'm not qualified. Or I could have said, who made up that certificate? Okay, well, I'm going to make myself up a stamp. And then I end up training Miss America. Like, it's that irrelevant, right? Or who are you to do a coach? Are you certified with blank, blank, blank? It's like, well, who came up with that certification? Why don't I make up my own certification? And then I'm certified with that, you know? And yeah. so if you, yeah. Can, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. You know, if you could, if you could remember that when people come, you know, against you, that could help you to stay strong and go in, in your own alignment. So I did that. And then people started to say, my clients started to say, the reason, so they started to realize, like, we're not really talking about public speaking. Like, what made you connect with me? And they said, you looked so happy. And I, I, I do smile and I do laugh and I am happy, but I, I also don't view myself as like this happy-go-lucky guy that's all whatever. So I was like, what? Why, did you th- why do you think I'm happy? You know, <laughs> you know, but they just did. And, it, and that's why they were connected. I was like, you're connected to me because I look happy? And they, they wanted that and they wanted... I continue to try to figure out like, what is it though? And this authenticity, they want it to be authentic. They want it to be themselves. And what happens when people connect with me or talk with me, this is, I I think largely because of my father, I just don't care what people have gone through. Like, it's not, I don't have a judgment on it. Like, I don't, I don't criticize that, you know, because people are just people, right? So it allows people to just talk and share. And in that process, you know, there are things that open up and unlock for them. And that's, that's the same thing that happens with acting and directing. And when you get to that honest, vulnerable, open spot, now we've got that healing that happens. Now we have alignment. Now when we have alignment, what we can do is we can sell with confidence. We can speak with power. We can coach. We can, do, we can level up. We can speak to our spouse in the appropriate way. We can speak to friends and bosses and anybody else in a way that can allow us to be authentic in our true selves. So 
that's what continued in their trajectory. So that's how I went from acting, directing medicine all the way to coaching. And at that point, when I would see a problem, I would reach out to people, you know, and that's when celebrities and, and I, that wasn't my initial goal, but it's typical that it would happen because we always go to the top. Right. So then yeah. celebrities and Emmy and Grammy award winners are reaching out to me and they're like, Hey, I got everything. I'm on the front covers of magazines, but something is still missing. And I got to level up because they're the type of people also that don't stop. And that's the type of people I love, you know? So then CEOs would connect and then uh, top salespeople doing a hundred million per year would, would, would connect and kind of deal with the same problem. My favorite people are these people, the celebrities and the top salespeople, because they just don't stop going to the next level. And all they need is this little tweak to help them get out of their own way. And that's where I'm, you know, a master. So that's, that's that part of the story. <laughs> I absolutely love your story. And, you know, I used to do acting myself. And so anyone that is in, in the arts, I just like, I get all excited. It's so much fun. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like walking through that, what are you grateful for now? Oh man, my children. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm just, I love my children. <laughs> I've got six little ones and my littlest one, she's, she's 10 months now. I mean, it's maybe not related, but uh, it is yeah. though, because that's where happiness is. It's the things that matter. Right. 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 Totally. And like, they're just, man, they're awesome. Right? So I freaking, I'm, I'm super grateful for them. I'm also grateful, man, you know what I would say I was grateful for that I didn't expect to think of? It's that I always get, it's almost like I always get paid to learn, right? Which is fun. So when they, when they brought me in to do those films and I didn't know anything about whatever, I learned very quickly. That is a skill I would say that I have. And so I'm, I'm grateful to all of the, the learning that happened throughout all of those processes and that I was able to... I guess this is the typical thing, but, you know, be happy and enjoy life through each stage, you know? So at this point, oh man, I'm, it's not finished. I don't think it ever, ever stops. I think even when you die, it doesn't stop. So, but the growth that keeps happening, like doesn't stop happening. Like if you think, oh, I've, I've arrived or I hit this point or I'm now I'm part of this movie. The reason people get sad a lot of times is because they think there's an arrival point and there's no arrival point. So that's the thing that like sucks, but is awesome. Like if there were an arrival point, you'd be like very bored and it would suck. But since there's no arrival point, that's just awesome. So once you get there, guess what? You don't get comfortable there, enjoy it and then get ready to level up again. <laughs> yeah, I really love that because you're right. Life goals are a lot like mirages. You go after it, you go after it, you go after it, and then you've got it. And then in some ways that mirage, that water you were after that, whatever disappears because you've attained it. Yep. And then it's like, okay, now what mirage am I going to, and I call it, you know, like, I think mirage is good because a a good analogy, because it does kind of have that scent, that feeling of disappearing. Right. You know, once you obtain it, you're like, okay. I now attained all of this. Yeah. And if you could just get comfortable with mirages and know that they are that, then just go after the mirage. And once you get there and it disappears, oh my gosh, look at this leaf. Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful chipmunk. Whoa, this is super duper cool. And then like, oh, there's another mirage. Go enjoy it as well. You know that, because that's what it is. You know, that's what ends up happening. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So what is your definition of mindfulness? Yeah. Mindfulness is great. So meaning if we can understand what it is, it's literally being in this moment, being present. That's, that's it. So the tricksy thing is that, you know, sadness is like a memory of something that happened in the past and then anxiety is something that you are concerned is going to happen in the future, which is really what futuring is about. But that's, but, but the story I wrote is like, but that's not futuring. So the idea of being mindful or present, that's really it. Now, it can get a bit tricky because you could think that that's all there is. So how do you blend being present with also going after a particular goal? You can. And that's, again, the process I created. I call it futuring. The main thing, though, is that you want to be here right now because this is literally all that there is and what this is what exists. This is it. This is right now. Like the future didn't happen yet and the past is already finished. Like it's this moment. So if you can understand that, that's pretty awesome because then you'll be happy <laughs> because in this moment, there isn't really sadness. You know, even, man, you know, I'm Jewish. So we, we talk about the Holocaust a lot. Even in that moment, this is how Viktor Frankl made it through. In that moment, he wasn't thinking, oh gosh, this sucks. He was, the way he dealt with it in his mind is like, this is an experiment. This is going to be wild to write about when we're finished. And then he did exactly that, you know, but if he had a different mindset, I don't know if he would have made it, you know, I don't know how it would have been, but in this particular moment, you have the opportunity to see the truth that you want to see. And then what you can do is notice the mirage, but still be present. And what we call it in Hebrew, and I call it futuring, but it's to bring that future into this particular moment. That's how you actually become one with the mirage and still continue in that direction while being present. It's a bit complex, but that's the way to do it. Why is it important to see ourselves as our future self? Yeah, great. So the reason is because whoever you are, that's who you are. And let me say that again. This idea sometimes of, let's say, the future self or the future version of you, it either is you or it's not you. So I was on a different show this guy does really well and, you know, deals with Tony Robbins and my and all of that stuff. And he said, he was asking for help with this. He said, I want to be a billionaire. And I said, you either are one or you're not one. Like this is important to understand because a millionaire is different than a multimillionaire is different than a billionaire is different than like a non one of those. They're different types of people. Okay. Those numbers are representatives of certain behaviors. That's all they are. It's not that thing makes you that. You are that and then that catches up. That's how this works. So if you can understand who you are, everything else will catch up. So that's why this idea of I want to be or this is who I see myself as later, you want to bring that to right now. Is that you or is that not you? Hmm, that's not me. You know, who, who am I? And as that process happens, you begin to become that thing you thought was over there and when that happens that's a form of you bringing that future to this particular moment and then from this state when you are that person that you know you are that you thought was further ahead but is currently right here then you begin to live everything else begins to catch up to you that's powerful hmm. why do we feel like something is missing when we achieve a lot and you kind of touched yeah. on this already but mm -hmm. yeah a lot of times this, this, this cool phrase of achieve a lot is tricky because what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? So typically this idea of achieve a lot is someone else's measuring stick. 
So if you're using someone else's measuring stick that's not your own, you're real your own, uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because it's not really your measuring stick, right? So somebody else, if you've accomplished becoming a producer of a big show or an actor in this big thing, or you've made X amount of dollars, or you got a new position at this job, but that's not who you feel you are, that's not your alignment, but everybody else sees and thinks it's great and you should be happy with it. The truth is, are you happy with it or are you not? Is that you or is it not? If it's not you, you will not feel satisfied, no matter what. If you made $10 million and you're supposed, and who you are is at $100 million, you're not gonna feel satisfied. And then you might have some conditioning that makes you feel like you're being ungrateful, but screw the conditioning. Screw whatever else is saying that and figure out what the truth is. Because at this point, it's not about dollars. It's not about achievements. It's literally about you living the reason you're here. You came to this planet for a reason. If you do not do that reason, you will feel like something is missing. How can someone practice mindfulness daily? And especially when you're in an environment, a high stress, high achieving environment, how do you practice mindfulness in that? The simple way, the fun way, is you want to bring something to that environment or in that moment that, that makes you happy, that you like, period. A lot of times for me when I'm working with clients is I find out, you know, what happened or what did they enjoy when they were a kid? I skateboard every day. Skateboarding for me started when I was like nine. I still, we, my whole family skateboards. And my daughter was born, you know, I, I delivered her here uh, when she was 10 hours old. I brought her outside and put her on the skateboard. You know, so skateboarding is big for us. So skateboarding is that for me. And it brings you into this particular moment. That one does for me. Another thing that I like, which is interesting, is I don't know how to call them. You know, like cars from like the store, like like Matchbox cars or Hot Wheels. Yeah. Like Hot Wheels. So basically Disney, when they did like the Pixar movie Cars called Cars, I really I like them a lot. So they you know, so for me, if I'm I don't have it right here with me, but if I'm on an interview or if I'm just writing something, I'll have my one of my cars right in front of me and I'll hold it. It just I just like them. They make me feel cool and happy, you know? So there might be, it could be a candle. It could be a scent. It could be a toy. You know, for me, a lot of times it's a toy of some sort, you know? <laughs> or sometimes what I'll do is I'll bring my skateboard and I'll just sit it next to me and I just like to touch it, you know? And that that does something, you know? It can connect you to this moment. That's all we need is to, to come back to a moment that makes us feel positive as opposed to being in a place where you want to escape. Yeah. So... The, the second part to that, of course, is the hard part is to take the action step. Like, I hate the phrase like knowledge is power because it's not like action is power. You want to act on the knowledge. And so if you're in a place where you don't like to be, you know, you want to get out of there, whatever it might be. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be a location. It could be all kinds of thought process. It could be a lot of things. And so the action steps are very, very hard and difficult and challenging. But that's also where life is. So if you can do that, the journey of even escaping can be very, very uncomfortable, but it's, it's a journey and that's what life is. And then when you're out of it, you will be who you are, you know? How can we process emotions versus just reacting to what you feel, such as like medicating your top emotion? Let's say you just feel whatever reason, you don't know why you just feel anxiety. So you're going to go and you're going to eat junk food or you're going to drink or you're going to blow up or whatever. How do you deal with that? And especially for people that really haven't had the opportunity to kind of dive in and learn that they can process an emotion. Sure. 
I think there's two simple ways. Number one, my magic things are pen and paper. Okay. I've got, that's my magic, everything. Like my ideas, my, the films I think of the storyboards, I got a pen and a paper. Wow. Or a napkin, you know, whatever it is, this is the power. This is like my magic tools. So that's one thing that, that it will share with you. And then the other thing is go ahead and just say it. Like I've had times where it's like, this is bothering me so much. Or if you're angry, fine. This is making me angry. And because you'll go through a path, you'll realize once we go ahead and say that, nothing can make you angry. It's a decision you're choosing. But if you go ahead and say, this is pissing me off. This, is, this made me very sad. This makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. Go ahead and say these words. Let's articulate them. We just, the main thing is we got to get this stuff out. Why? Because what happens is that cortisol is the stress hormone that I actually studied when I was working on a PhD thing. When that stress hormone is not able to be utilized, this is when and how and why it causes damage inside of the body. Okay. Once it can be uh, utilized, then it can be used. So same thing with adrenaline. If your body's like, oh my God, there's a bear. But really it's a text message you got. Your body doesn't know the difference. And all of a sudden it goes adrenaline, bow, shoots up adrenaline. And then your body's like, where are we running to? Meanwhile, you're not running. You're not running, you're sitting. So the increased adrenaline and the increased cortisol sits and it pulls. And that's where we begin to have certain damage. So what can we do here? So what I want to do when I want to speak that thing out and care, and I don't mean like say it to the whole neighbors and stuff like yeah. this and to the world, you know, to yourself, say it out. You know what I mean? Don't like go on the social media. This is useless. Like get it out for yourself, see it. And then all of a sudden you'll be able to realize like, oh, I'm choosing this ocean. Yeah, I do feel that. And then that will already alleviate a lot of it or a lot of it, however way you want to do it. You'll have a lot less. And then the writing part comes from like, okay, so what's going on? How can I solve this problem? What can I do about it? When we ask that question, after we go ahead and alleviate some of that topical thing, when we ask that question, the brain can come up with solutions. How can I solve this? What can I do about that? Where should I go? Things like I can't or I don't or I whatever. The brain goes, what'd you say? Oh, I can't. Yeah. Hey, guys, we can't. Don't, no, don't send any ideas. We just said we can't. We don't know. Shut it down. And then the, the, the brain can't come up with ideas. So we have to understand how to work with ourselves as a body and as a person and to really master all of these things to really get the full efficiency of who we are as a human. So when we're dealing with these particular emotions, let's go ahead and name them, talk them, get them out, and then uh, ask the correct question, like, what can I do about this? How can I solve this problem? Hmm. That type of thing, get out the pen and the paper and something it will give you some ideas that will come to you. What are some tips on getting mental clarity and how does that help you level up? There's two, actually. When you wake up in the morning and before you go to sleep at night, if you like, some people talk about the brain going more towards the theta state. If you like, that theta state tends to be where we were up until the age of seven. And then what happens is when that particular frequency of the brain shifts and changes, technically you could view it as things being locked and loaded. And then once they get locked and loaded, depending on what was put in into there during that frame of life, if you like, could inhibit us or not inhibit us. And so what, as that continues, there are other cultural and religious and uh, familial and uh, peer pressures and uh, opinions and things that come on you to shape your perceived perception of life and what you should be doing. So what we can do when we're closer to the state of state morning, let's say evening also, is we can really tap into the truth of things before it gets not diluted, but tainted. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when we pull out that pen and paper again. And what we want to do is think about or write down those ideas and thoughts that you have of the way you want your life to look. Now, like a vision board type of thing only, and then it can't just stay there. We just need to see it with our eyes. One of the things I love about filmmaking and a pen is that technically in our mind, this is intangible. Technically, it doesn't exist. But all of a sudden, when we use our muscles in, in this touch, which is like one of our senses, and then we scrape across the paper, and then all of a sudden our eyeballs can see we're really beginning to activate, we can hear, activate our senses to bring something to actual life. And so this is also the process that happens if we can go here when you're in that theta state. What we wanna do for this clarity, that's the time you're gonna be most clear. And that's what we wanna take that time where you have most of your clarity that you can get. And even if there's a hint of that clarity, let's get it out on paper so that our mind, our eyes can see it. And we can say, wait a second, that's real? And then the subconscious, again, it doesn't really know the difference between real and fake. And once you begin to see that's real, your brain can ask the question again, how do I accomplish that? And now, if we are in a walking state, typically of between, I think it's 92 to 95% of subconscious behavior throughout the day. If we can get the subconscious behavior on board, bringing us towards who we are reality, this is what I call residual income. This is what I call passive income. This is what I call uh, caloric burning by increasing our metabol- metabolic basal rate while n- not even having to exercise. That's what we want to do with the subconscious. And this is the way to um, do that when it comes to the accessing your mental clarity. In addition to doing something you love, in addition to doing something that makes you happy, in addition to being present. And at that point, there is no other way to go than up when it comes to leveling up. There is no other way to go because typically when people try to level up, they try to do it in a way that runs harder and runs faster and tries more and, and does everything just uh, like that. And all that happens is things get more tense. The blood pressure increases, but there's no outlet. This is not the way to level up. This is the way to have increased anxiety, increased stress, increased pain, more strain in your relationships, more inability to be... In, in this particular moment, it's a recipe for complete disaster. And then what happens in the mind sometimes once you experience that anxiety one time, you think, oh God, I don't want to level up because that was horrible. So then people want to stay here because, and now they perceive leveling up as 80 hours a week instead of 40. They perceive it that way. So they begin to shoot themselves in the foot. The real answer is to get on a different pipeline, increase the efficiency, use the 80-20 Pareto's principle, do 20% to get 80% of your results. And this is the way with the whole subconscious stuff and writing at that particular time that we can level up with a lot less tension. You've also gotten into NFTs recently, and this is something that's new. Some people know about it. Some people don't know about it. And you and I were talking about this a little bit. There are people out there that don't understand it because they think, you know, I can just take a screenshot of of an image why is it valuable so do you want to share a little bit about your journey with nfts yeah nfts are beautiful 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 and i love them so much i've i've been i'll use the words interested and highly educated about crypto since way before it was invented so this is like a lot of this is a long time so at this point when you introduce this expression of that particular world you are, I guess it's become more, more popular, popularized, if you like. So 
what's happening at this point with these NFTs, it doesn't matter that it means non-fungible token because that doesn't mean anything to anybody either. But typically what people see them as is pictures. My profile picture is that in LinkedIn and everything like that there. What does it mean? Really, it is a picture, but because it is, <laughs> I want to get, don't want to get too technical, but, but because it is, let's just say, on a particular blockchain is also confusing. Basically, this picture has a lot of secret hidden codes written into it like a lot of numbers if you like and if you take a screenshot of it you don't have those numbers you have a topical layer it's almost just like looking at somebody on the outside and thinking they're pretty or handsome but not knowing who they are as a human this is like taking a screenshot of a, of a nft you don't know who the nft is on the inside okay and on the inside is what matters <laughs> on the inside is what we have hidden in there these contracts there are contracts that are in there they execute with certain behaviors so if you have a picture just thing on the outside you can't do anything with it and it it is it is not valuable at all if it has all the code and execution things in it this is what increases the value you can check for authenticity you can check if it's legitimate or not if something comes across as not legitimate it doesn't have the value because we want to have all of the codes and hidden numbers and secrets and the inner workings of that thing that's simply represented with an image that most other people see that's what they're that's what actually is happening if there's somebody that's listening that's kind of curious about mm -hmm. nfts and maybe they're an artist or or something like that what's a piece of advice that you would give them sure 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 so for me what what i do now bringing the directing and the coaching and the nfts mm -hmm. all together is I'm directing NFT film projects and, and consulting with the media aspect of that. And so what that means is there, there's actually an NFT project I'm directing and creating a series for right now called United Aliens. And if you go to united-aliens.club, you should get there. If you go on Twitter to unitedaliens21, you should be able to get there. But this, you're gonna notice images. Behind those images are numbers, you know, the whole information. But behind all of that, there's a company. Behind all of that, there's a person with a vision. There's a person who's wanting to accomplish something with what we would call a collection. So like the rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. If someone wants to draw pictures and create art, what you can do is create that art, but you're gonna wanna also connect with a developer and someone who could write the code for that so that you could put it into the NFT you know, blockchain so that other people can purchase it. This is the way to get into that world. Most of the world operates in Twitter and then on Discord, right? So there's so much to learn. There's a server that I have. I wonder if it goes to it. I think it does. Just connect with me at The Wizard Is Real on Twitter or JB The Wizard anywhere else, like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Those are all JB The Wizards. And so if you go there, get to the Discord server, go to the Twitter, that sort of thing. It, there, one of my servers kind of walks through what NFTs are and then how to get in that, get in that world a little bit more. But for the most part, again, there's, there's room for everyone. What you, what you notice in this community is a very giving community. And I find it to be very passionate, project-oriented, and... Um, you know, impacting the world in a lot of, in, in, is, it will change the whole world, no question. But in a lot of ways, that's actually the, there's a lot of charities associated with this. Almost every project donates to something like tons and tons of money to something. 
So that's that's the way to go. If you're an artist, you can draw connected to what we call like the metadata. It'll be on the Ethereum blockchain or something else. And that's the pathway to go when it comes to that, if that makes sense. There's a learning process there, but thank you for sharing with that, with us about that. So let's talk about some of your client success stories. Some that are on the website, like they'll say, uh, I mean, this is how I got the name The Wizard is because different things would happen that like didn't seem to make sense. And that's what Charlie messed me. Basically, a lot of times I guess money is related, but money is energy. So once you get into alignment and once you're clear on what your purpose is, then it can come. If the money would come when you're not in alignment, it's almost like speeding up a car that's not in alignment and the steering wheel will shake and then it gets dangerous and you get into a wreck. So sometimes we're like, I want money, I want money, I want money. And then it's really like a gift from God that you don't have it yet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, then once you get into alignment, then there's more of a clear flow. So I, I, I tend to notice that one of my clients, man, this, he's doing well before, like I said, with the magazines and stuff, but the speaking rate was not where they wanted it to be. And then we like, I don't remember where he wanted it to be, but then we got it to 30, 40, 50, 60,000 where it was not there before. It was still great, but like just multiples greater. That happened. Feelings of acceptance happened. I get messages on verbals for a billion dollars in funding where that was not even present before. That's probably the, that's pretty crazy one. The ability to leave a particular job and to do with somebody wanted to do that's another one of my clients where he actually just posted publicly about that i'm saying things that are publicly okay either people yeah post, yeah you know? of course like i was able to stop doing what i didn't like that i hated for 10 years and then now i'm doing what i love and then you know the money's coming in a lot easier than it did before like i said some people were dealing with um seven figure changes one of my clients the bank account got super crazy low and then a few like crazy 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 low and then, you know, I won't say how low, but just crazy low. And then a few weeks later, they, they it was a few months later, it was probably two months later, five, six million dollar deal closed, you know, that wasn't there before. And just to know where to look, I always feel like people are like sitting on the, this is constantly, you're always, you're always sitting on your money. You just don't realize it. But the bigger things though, is I, I love to work with people who they, they are doing well already, but what I like about it is that to themselves, they're just getting started. Here's what's refreshing for me. They always want, you know, more money or more passive income. That, that doesn't really change. But the cool thing to me is when they realize the answer is in that mental clarity. That's refreshing to me. Because sometimes I'll deal with people who just want to know how to make more money. And that's easy to do. But to do that with somebody who doesn't have a steering wheel that's in alignment is dangerous and it's not good to do. And it's less fun. It's less fun for me. I, I, I love making people money. I, I sincerely, I, it's so fun for me. And so when people know it's themselves getting in their own way and when they know they're doing well, but they want to, they know they're not where they want to be yet or, or their full selves. That's, that's really exciting. That's exciting to me. So those, those are some of the results. I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, leaving. I mean, I don't say that they need to leave therapists and stuff, but some of them, they were in therapy for 25 years. We worked together for six weeks and then they, they stopped their therapy wow. or they say, and then they're good to go after that. So it's not like, that's a pretty big one because what I find, cause I don't, I never went. So I would say like, what's the difference? What's the difference between me and a therapist? And they're like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, I'm for real serious. I don't know. Like, 
you're talking to me, you're talking to the person. I don't see what's the difference, really. You know, and they would say just that I think they tend to say that I get to the root of the problem actually. And then we uproot that thing as opposed to let's talk it out. How do you feel about that? That's really horrible. You want to revisit that? Where it's more so like this trash thing happened and I'm typically like, yeah, that sucks. All right, next, what we do now? And that whole thing just gets them moving, you know, forward as opposed to wallowing. And then it seems to be that these tend to feel the actual not judgment. So they're really big moments that happen during, you know, our calls, if you like, that is like a brick that was just on their chest that they oftentimes didn't even know was there. It's stifling every part of who they are and know in their core to be. And then when that gets removed, it's like, <gasps> and they could breathe and like, what? And then the whole world, this is direct quotes. There's someone posted publicly on Instagram. It's like, it's an actual whole different world now, you know? And that's, that's exciting. So that's, those are some examples. What is your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I would say a hundred trillion percent is I have never, and I don't ever tolerate anything less than truth, my truth, my alignment. Like it's not humanly possible for me. It's not humanly possible. One there was a time when many, several times, I had no money at all. Like some people say, and they had like a thousand, like nothing. Like, I mean, we, I was looking for dimes and quarters in the uh, couch cushions, like nothing. And, and I did have an agent though at the time. And then there was this gig they found for me that was going to pay pretty good. But the gig I didn't agree with, it just felt like it wasn't in my alignment. I didn't want to represent that. It just didn't feel right, you know? And then yeah. I didn't. I didn't do it. And it wasn't like me being all like, I'm going to stand up. I just like, yo, I can't do that. Pass, you know? And um, that has created extremely difficult and challenging situations for me. But one, we're in the midst of the challenging and difficult situations. I was in my authenticity and power. Since I have constantly acted in, in that way, in all of those horrible situations, in these higher up situations, I've built that muscle up, right? If a person is, is offering me a very large amount of money, but I could feel that something is off, no. And it doesn't, fi- if you don't fix this problem when you're here, you're going to have the problem when you're here. Yeah. So that truth and that alignment thing has continually served me and it still serves me constantly, like now. So um, not really tolerating something that's not in your alignment. Being comfortable in the uncomfortable, I think, is something that's very, uh, a lot of money, meaning energy for me. It's a lot of wealth. Like a lot of times when I'm giving something over to my kids, I'll say, whoo, I'm about to give you a ton of money right now. Get ready for this. Because if you implement this, this is a ton. And so we sit down and we go through it, you know. So I would think those two things, you know, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable is constantly enabling me and helping me to, to level up big time. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? <laughs> oh, this is funny. Pay attention to who you marry. That, <laughs> <laughs> that will make you, break you, kill you. It, that's it. That's the, I, I can't ever get away from that. And like, it will, um, 
the, I guess if you look at it energetically, like if you're really actually becoming one with another human being, then you're literally becoming one with another human being. So that means that you want to make sure that another human being that you're becoming one with is in your alignment. That's it. Because if they're not, it's like a disease. Yeah. It will kill your physical body. It'll kill your emotional body. You can't get away from it. No, no matter divorce, no matter this, you can't get away from it because now you've got children and then grandchildren. You, you can never get away from that. So I would say be patient or make sure that the person is in alignment with you. This is like not just the happiest thing, but like the most powerful and probably biggest indicator for your success in life. I noticed that with a lot of the clients I work with, one of the major things that come up is relationships, even in how to communicate with the spouse to some degree. So that, that'd be my number one. Number one, and then closely following that is that you already have the answers. You already have the answers. You just need to quiet the noise so that you can acknowledge the answers you already have. And then, of course, the third step is take action on those answers. So that's how I would say that. If someone is listening right now and they would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, go to jbthewizard.com and then click on schedule a call. I think that's the best way. JB, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a long time waiting and I'm so happy we were able to do it. Our first call was so good. It wasn't recorded, but like it was such a great conversation. So I'm so happy we were able to do this. Yeah, I'm really glad too. And if you're listening, you want more information about Apollo Thrive, you can go to ApolloThrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.